Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Thank you to the voice of Ryan Treasure at Voice America, Radio Red in the house. Happy to be here. Monday is my happy day of the week. It really is because I get to talk to some really fun, cool people about creativity. And I just think that's a special thing to talk about. It's not about are you an actor or a producer or a singer or a dancer or an artist or a painter or a photographer. It's what do you create in your life? How do you talk? How do you think? How do you dress? How do you answer the phone? How do you create your career? How do you deal with family? How do you deal with community? It's all about what our creativity is. And I have three very interesting guests. But first, I couldn't possibly start the show without having my guests. And we didn't rehearse this. Ladies, I want you to make the L shape with your fingers, please. And on the count of three, you're going to join me in saying hello, L, 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 just like that. One, two, three. Hello, L, L, L. Jordan, my engineer, that was pretty good, Jordan. We've, we had a little closer in synchronicity last time, but I, these ladies are learning. They're fine. <laughs> LLL, by the way, ladies, is lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. And we've been trying for years. I've been creating a fake GoFundMe to get her to move to a place that starts with L. And we had London in mind, but it was so hot there and so much turmoil there last year, she didn't want to. So I made a whole list of places in California that start with L and in Kentucky, Louisiana. And then it dawned on me that I recently moved to a place that starts with L in Tennessee. So we're going to invite Laura to move to Loudoun, Tennessee with me. (laughs) And in case you're wondering how a New Yorker ends up in Loudoun, I'll tell you. I was looking at the map, Alicia, Delia, and Cynthia, and I tilted my head, which I do sometimes, you know, kind of whimsical, and I was looking at London on the map, and the first N in London went upside down, and it turned into Loudoun, so I bought a house in Loudoun, Tennessee, and that's all I have to tell you about that. So it is Monday, June 12th. It is the 163rd day of the year. It's the Gregorian calendar, and by the way, in something like 1658 or 1568, uh, Gregorian, he was a pope, Pope Gregor XIII, he decided he didn't like the Julian calendar. He didn't like the way they had the leap days, so he changed it. And I think his mother probably said, Greggy, Gregor, Grego, you're a really creative guy. And so we adopted the Gregorian calendar. That's how it, it was just one of those things. There were 202 days remaining. It's the 24th Monday, and I'm the only one who cares about that. But I'm going to suggest to my guests, I'm not going to tell you who, but I know that one of you was going to make homemade Kahlua for New Year's Eve because it's only one more <laughs> six months away. And you got to start soon because those flavors have to meld. You know, that coffee flavor, any kind of special things you want to put in there, herbs or something. It takes a while, only six months left. One of you is going to buy very high-end champagne on an online store. <gasps> Alicia, Alicia, okay, Alicia just got the last bottle. Alicia, the shelves are going to be absolutely cleaned out any minute now because New Year's Eve is, you know, we're happy to be here, right? And uh-oh, somebody here is is going to see if their grandparents left a still in the backyard and they're going to make some homemade whiskey, something <laughs> real good. I understand bootleg only applies if you don't pay the taxes, but we might call it moonshine or sunshine or something. So 
I don't know who's going to do what. I usually pick one guest for each kind of, of beverage or could just be orange juice or lemonade. I don't know. Anyway, ladies, you've been warned. It's only a little more than six months away. And national holidays, oh my goodness, in June, we have International Falafel Day this month. It happens to be National Peanut Butter Cookie Day. Be still my heart. It's Superman Day. Uh, tomorrow is International Axe Throwing Day. I don't even want to know. And National Sewing Machine Day. I've worn through so many steel sewing machines, you don't want to know. We'll have more holidays later. So it's the Western Zodiac of Gemini. Ladies, are there any Geminis on the panel tonight? Cynthia, Delia, Alicia? No. no. Well, I think that maybe it's just possible one or more of you might be honorary Geminis. Shall I tell you why? Please say yes. Of course you yes. will. My yes. show, you have to say yes, yes. Gemini natives, now listen, you just mentally or just physically check off. They're charming, ladies. They're talkative. Um, they're imaginative. They're logical. I don't know if those two go together. They're curious. They're adaptable, multi-talented. I see a lot of heads going up and down here. Uh-huh. Yep, well, hands up. They're naturally witty. They're playful. They're aggressive and bold and thick-skinned. I don't know. With your professions, ladies, that might be coming into... They, they do well in school. They're good communicators. They earn well in life. However, they could have a know-it-all attitude. Anybody want to fess up to that? I, oh, oh, all of a sudden, everybody's really quiet. I see that, ladies. And uh, you know once what? Once upon a time, I did. Okay, and some sometimes they're a little snarky. Mm, I had one. a guest last week who said everything she writes is kind of snarky, so she embraced yeah. that. A lot of them aren't happy with just one job. They take a hobby and turn it into a job because mm -hmm. they want an extra income stream. So anybody want to be an honorary Gemini? I'm about mm -hmm. to anoint you. Yeah. Raise your hands. Alicia, what do you think? Yeah. Hands up. I'm there definitely in. There. Anybody remember the theme song from Club Med years ago? I'm going to sing, don't stop me. Hands up, baby, hands up. Give me your heart. Give me, give me your heart. Okay, hands up. Thank you. I try not to sing on the show. It's just, it just kind of bubbles through. Uh, some famous Geminis, Marilyn Monroe, Johnny Depp, Nicole Kidman, William Prince of Wales, Paul McCartney, Brooke Shields, Ian McKellen, Gandalf and Harry Potter, Peter Dinklage, Blake Shelton, ooh, Liam Neeson, Patti LaBelle, Angelina Jolie, Natalie Portman, the Olsen twins, who cares? Stevie Nicks, Mel B, and Venus Williams, and Heidi Klum. That's some pretty good company you're keeping list. for honoraries. I think so. Okay, so now let me tell you about who, who my guests really are. Just wave your hand when I call your name. We have Dr. Cynthia Colon. And she doesn't have the accent on the second O on her name here, but I have it in my notes. She is the author of, listen to this, Be Committed, Get Admitted, Seven Steps to College Admission Success. Now, if your listeners are saying, well, I'm past college age and I don't have any grandkids. We're talking about Cynthia's creativity and how she does this and what she does. It's not about the specific topic. It's about her creativity in coming up with this in her life. She's also the founder of, I love this, College Essay Bootcamp. That is cool. And she's the host of Des Destination UYO University podcast. Cynthia, welcome. So happy to have you here. And she goes by Dr. C. But I can't call Dr. C because we have another Dr. C on the panel. So you're going to be Cynthia today. Thank you for joining right. me. And we have Delia Charamante. She's an MD. She's the founder of, this is a heavy topic, Integrative Palliative Institute. 
She's the host of the Integrative Palliative Podcast and author of the upcoming A Family's Guide to Navigating Serious Illness. We're not going to make this a sad show. Delia and I agreed with that. But we're going to talk about the creative way she goes about handling this very serious and difficult topic. Okay, so welcome, Delia, Dr. C., to be Delia. <laughs> and Alicia Moore, you're not a Dr. C. We already determined that. She's the, I, I, I don't know how I ended up with two people who specialize in college advice on the same show. This is almost unheard of because I don't pick people with like topics. But here we are. Alicia is the author of Crushing It in College. I love this. Your seven step guide to an awesome adventure. Now that is a cool beans title, Alicia. And you had to be creative to come up with that. She <laughs> serves on the board of the San Francisco Bay Area's nonprofit RAFT, R-A-F-T, Resource Area for Teachers. Alicia, welcome to the show. And you have a nice poster with your book title there. I'm Radio Red. Happy to be here. And I'm calling this episode, I have to come up with a different name every week and it's getting harder and harder. I'm calling this Committed to creativity. Mm. Because I like that for the three of you, because your topics are serious, right? Nobody's doing fluffy novels. I love novelists, but <laughs> your topics are serious. And people might say, oh my goodness, how could you be talking to these women about creativity? Well, as I said, you have to be creative to do what you've done to come to the fore and say, I have a book, I have a podcast, I have a class, I have a course on these topics. So I have great respect for what the three of you are doing. So let's go around the table. It's time to start introductions. Dr. Cynthia Colon, I'm welcoming you, putting you on speaker of you. Wave hello to everybody. Three, Hi, everyone. Can you condense your whole life into three minutes for me? Would you do me oh, that? Oh, gosh. Favorite? I okay. think so. I Even Bye. shorter probably than that. Um, no, no, no. Take your three. Go ahead. Go, so let me tell you, I, you know, I rolled out of bed, took the SAT one time, and applied to a few colleges and called it a day. Like that strategy wouldn't work today if you're applying to college, but thank goodness I had a mother. I'm a daughter of an immigrant mother. I'm, uh, I had 14 Theos and Theas, aunts and uncles growing up, and they all had advice for everything under the sun. You know, how to do your hair, how to do your makeup, how to play soccer, how to cook, you know, menudo and pozole, uh, but they did not have advice on how to get into college. So my mother had um, met Mr. Raul Vargas at a, at a bank event. She worked at a bank and he said, you call me when, when your daughter's ready. And she knew my, my dream college was USC university of Southern California here in California. And so she, you know, got out of work a little early. We drove up the 110 freeway in the Brown Oldsmobile and went to his office and he showed me what to do and told her what to do about financial aid and because of the two of them, it changed the trajectory of my life, honestly. And I became an alum of USC and then Columbia University and then UCLA. And honestly, sort of fast forward, I always thought I wanted to be like a head of school um, and I, I wasn't really sure what I want to do. But when I worked at Vassar College um, in, in the admission office or, or when I worked at Vassar in the res life office, I always liked the the folks at the other table. I always loved the admissions folks. They were just super fun and they were they were creative and they were just they traveled around the country, got paid to do so. So I wanted that job. And anyway, I would visit. I would um recruit students from Florida, Texas, California, Minnesota, North and South Dakota, but I would learn how the education gap was so wide. So I would sit on, you know, at the Riverwalk in San Antonio or the beaches of Miami and I would journal. I always thought I was a writer, to be honest, Red. I, I always knew in my heart I was a writer and that was my creativity, but I 
didn't have an outlet for it until many, many years later. So when I finally left the job of being a principal, I was principal at two high schools, two Catholic schools. I said, you know what? I, I'm done. I'm going to go write the book I've always said I was going to do and help students, help public school students really, or every student understand the things that the private school students do. So I, I went and I moved to Oxford, Ohio to go and basically write my book. And I lived with a good friend. I was divorced. She's divorced. We, she said, just come. And I put all my post-its up, my color-coded post-its and narrowed 55 stories, real true stories of students down to um, about 30 stories. So that is my story. I mean, I don't know how I'm doing on, on time, but that's sort of the... the I don't care. <laughs> that like, was absolutely fascinating. I, the, the things that stood out to me, I don't usually analyze bios, but I have to tell you, you said you had all of these aunts and uncles who were telling you how to cook and how to do your hair and how to dress. I have neighbors who tell me how to do that. I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm not. And you mentioned, you knew the, remember the exact color of the car you and your mother drove to see this professor in the details of the pivotal times in our life. You remember, you probably remember what you were wearing that day. <laughs> you have had quite yeah. a trajectory, Cynthia. I'm a Sarah Lawrence girl, by the way, and you were oh. you w- worked at Vassar. So a little bit of something there. I did a couple of years at Sarah Lawrence when it was just girls. It was just yeah. a women's school. And I ran into Leslie Gore in the bookstore one day. Anybody remember Leslie Gore? It's my party. She's passed oh. away since. Uh, Yoko Ono went there. Barbara Walters went there. Yes. I did, they were they were way before me. But anyway, it was just in, very interesting to go to a that kind of school. So I, I admire your career. Cynthia, you have done so much. I love the idea of why you picked to write that book in the sticky notes. Oh my goodness. We'll have to talk more about that. Really, really cool. Welcome. That was lovely. Absolutely lovely. Delia, you're up next. Delia, speak review for you. Let's hear who you really are. Welcome. Thank you so much. So I, here's my, my career like this all over the, the place. And that for me is the creative part. So I started life as professional life as a family doctor, just a regular old family doctor. <clears throat> and what I found was that the stuff I learned in medical school didn't get everybody better. So there was this whole chunk of people who just felt awful and they were sure they had some terrible thing, but I would do all the tests they taught me to do and I couldn't find anything, but they're exhausted. They have headaches, their chest hurts, but cardiology says it's fine. They just feel awful, but there's really nothing wrong. And so I had to figure out, I was a brand new doctor, like, how do I help these people? Because they kept coming to me. And so I just started doing things like, let's practice breathing and let's try meditating. And how's it going at home? And how do you feel about your job? And where's the meaning coming from in your life? And how's your sleeping? And do you move? And when I started to deal with people in that way, poof, they got better. Like it was magic, but there's no magic. It was just whole person, literal whole person care. And they got better. And then they brought all the friends to me and then they got better. And I thought, what the heck is this? Like no one taught me about this in medical school. There was no prescription pad involved in this whole story. So that took me in the direction of what it turns out was called integrative medicine. And I was the associate director of a center in a medical school for almost 10 years. And, but then I, I, I sort of, moved into the side of palliative care. I was a hospice doctor for a while. And the thing that blew my mind was a lot of the people in hospice were happier 
than those first patients that I had had as family doctors, which is the opposite of what they teach you in medical school, right? In medical school, they teach you if they're unhealthy, they feel bad. And if they're, if you make them healthy, then they're happy. But the reason that these hospice patients were often happier is when you're facing your mortality, they were like, I don't like that guy. I'm not going to hang out with him anymore. I hate that volunteer work. I'm going to stop doing it. I always wanted to write a book. I'm going to write it. I, I want to spend time in my garden because that's what feeds my soul. And when you live like that, it turns out you're happier, even if you have a disease that nobody can cure. So where I am now, so, you know, like, like this was combining palliative care, which is not end of life care. That's a mistake that a lot of people make. It's not all depressing. It's really all about life. It's about if you have a serious illness, let's make you feel as great as you can. So you can live the life you want, even if you're trying to get cured, like you don't have to be end of life to get palliative care, but they use a lot of meds and procedures. They don't so much use the, you know, acupuncture and massage and meditation. So integrated palliative care, which I kind of I don't know if I really made it up, but in my mind, I made it up. I don't know other people who are doing it. I want those two things together. So I want to increase the well-being of people who have serious illness, but use all the tools like, yes, medicines, yes, procedures, but yes, acupuncture, massage, breathing, meditation, et cetera, all the things. And here's the thing. You might think it's depressing work, but it's the opposite of depressing because it reminds you every day that you work with people like this to appreciate what you have and to live like that. Like, I don't want to wait till I have cancer till I figure out to live like that. How about I live like that right now? So that's me. Delia. Wow. You redefine palliative for, at least for me, I think for a lot of people, Alicia and Cynthia are both nodding and you told such a beautiful story. You re you know what you did? You reframed. Mm-hmm. You reframed dealing with people who come to you for illnesses, ailments. I don't feel good, doc. What's going on? I had a doctor a few years ago when I was in Durham, and I went and had a checkup for the first time in a couple of years. Even though I come from a family of doctors and nurses, I don't go that often. It is what it is. Cessa. So, <laughs> not quesarasara. Cessa. It is what it is. And and this doctor said to me. Why don't you come and get on my schedule once a month and just visit with me? I'll give you 30 minutes. Just wow. talk. Wasn't it there? Wasn't a psychologist, wasn't a social Love worker. It. He was an MD. He did yeah. a fairly curse. He said, There's really nothing wrong with you. And he said, But I think you need to talk. I was wow. at a precipice in my life. I know. And I he said, well, go talk to the scheduler. It was at Wake Med, which was a, uh, they had doctor's offices, but Wake Med is a, a function of, uh, of a bigger health system. And you, go, you can go there for emergency care. It's like a, like a, whatever you call it, the 24-hour care. They have a hospital type of setting there, but they had offices upstairs. And he said, just come and see me once a month. Wow. And I did. And, we, and you won't believe this. We gave each other a hug. This was COVID time. We masked and he showed me pictures of his one-year-old daughter and I showed him the house I was thinking of buying in in Tennessee and we talked for 30 minutes. That was it every month. I love it. And that that is real healthcare. That is real. That was, that was. And when you were talking, it dawned on me and he was new. He'd been in practice for maybe four or five years and he had openings in his schedule because he wasn't a 27 or 30 year doctor and nobody wanted to talk to him. I did. Amazing. And it was just lovely. I looked 
forward to going to see him once a month for 30 minutes. It was covered and he found a way with the codes. I'm not giving his name. He found a way to code it for the billing. So it was a, it was a follow-up visit and the ladies at the desk understood. Yeah. Give her, okay. One in July, one in August, one in September. And until I moved, I saw him once a month. And it was, it was lovely. It was a wow. Thank you, Delia. That was just absolutely lovely the way you described that. I think you changed a lot of minds and a lot of mindsets. Thank you. Just beautifully yeah. done. Thank, thank you for being that person. Ooh, this, see, I told you, my, this is an interview. It's a party. We're just talking. <laughs> We're just talking. You're all my new best friends. It's Monday. I'm ready for new best friends. Alicia Moore, we can't wait to hear your story. I'm putting you on speaker view. It's your time to glow. Oh, Alicia. My- Gosh, that's a welcome. That is a hard act to follow, actually. Oh no, no, we're all we're all ladies. But but I will say, so I was thinking about I was thinking a little bit about all right, what do I say about my life and I that and relating to creativity and what I would say is there I was the first grandchild of my mother's side of the family, five kids. So and she was the baby. And I was her baby and I was everybody's baby. So I came into, I came into the world, everybody's baby. And my parents were in college at the time. My mom was what probably now we would say would be, or I don't know, at the time, a woman's liver or something, because she stayed in college, even though she already had her MRS degree, she was already married. And she took a lot of flack for that because what are you doing here you know, and you, you're already married. What's the deal? And they went to school in, in two separate cities, quite far apart. And so they didn't even live together while all this was going on. And I lived with my grandparents and aunts and uncles and everyone around. So, so part of where my creativity, I think, came from was that I just had an abundance of love. And then my parents, my dad worked at uh, IBM, which moved people around a lot. So by the time I was 13 years old, I had lived in 11 places. And part of what that does for you as a child, you learn resilience and you learn to rely on yourself and you learn to entertain yourself. Um, And you learned, so between this abundance of love and the resilience of constant change, love plus change, I think, really opens up a container for someone to be creative and to and to build self-reliance and self-determination fairly early. So I had that fairly early on. And one thing that you said, read early on, can logical live with the imaginative? And I would say that for a, a, the bulk of my career, I, I was a, I started out as an attorney and then worked, I worked as the general counsel and then took over HR department. So I was doing HR and that, and then corporate business development. So I was putting together a lot of deals and M&A and all of these other things. And so the course of my career kind of built around um, some fairly regulated and, you know, operating in containers. And so my uncle taught me to play chess when I was fairly young, and I see life a little bit like that. There are rules that you have to, there are rules that you have to operate within, but there are ways that you can kind of get the outcome that you want within those rules. 
um, and understanding when are their rules and are those rules really rules you have to follow or are they suggestions? Um, so <laughs> sometimes you really have to follow them. Other times there really are just suggestions. So so for me, I would say that um, is kind of my background. How did you get to be the author of Crushing It in College? When did that come up? Come on, we want to know. Okay, okay. okay. So, um, <laughs> so, so I had had, I had had a bucket list item, you know, like so many people do that they wanted to write a book. I had been imagining that it would be, you know, a Tom Clancy spy thriller, you know, or maybe a romance. Um, I don't know, something like that. Um, and when I told my husband, so after my husband retired and I, my, I sold my last company and I did, and, and I've done, you know, some project work where I've gone in and, and done some M&A stuff and things like that. But, but I thought, okay, now's the time I'm going to write my book. Um, and imagine his surprise and kind of mine as well, that the book that I ended up writing was to help high school graduates transition to college. <laughs> um, not a spy thriller, not at all. And so he came down one time and I was writing and he's like, well, so where's your book? You know, tell me the plot. And I'm like, well, there's not really a plot per se. It's really, it's really more about this other thing. And I think it was in part prompted because I'm at one end of the spectrum going through another transition of my life. And over the course of my life, I've transitioned a number of times, like moving when I was young, different kind of careers as, as it goes. Um, but this, this I'm, I'm at a transition point. And when I think about it really, to me, the, there are a lot of transition points that we all have in our lives, but the transition into emerging adulthood, if you have the opportunity to give someone tools to take control of their lives and take comfort that they can take control of their lives, to me, that's just like, you know, that's that's how I'm going to change the world. So that's what that is for me. That's the awesome adventure. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> what interesting backgrounds you all have. So much education and so much imaginat imagination, imaginativity. I just made up a word to move <laughs> in different directions and do different things. And I love the way you said it, Alicia. There are rules and there are suggestions. I call those <laughs> guidelines. It's like, well, not really. But maybe if you think, if it works, if you feel like it, if you want to do it, but we won't penalize you. But it might be a good idea. Did I get all that in there? Exactly. Somehow? Yeah, very, very interesting. I, I had no idea what we were all going to talk about when I looked at the titles of all your books. I said, what in the world? <laughs> and I'm fascinated with the three of you. I'm you're, you're charming, you're beautiful, obviously, beyond brilliant, and, and creativity coming to the fore. And Alicia, I have to, who was the one who said chess? Who, who was the chess? I, you did. Okay, yes. Yeah. I, I, uh, I started another version of Read My Lips for my area, Teleco Village, Loudoun, Tennessee. It's not a radio show, it's just a video cast. And I'm meeting people through the Authors Guild of Tennessee, East Tennessee. And one woman was a teacher for years who always included teaching of chess in her classrooms. And now she's writing a series of novels about <laughs> kids and chess. I know, Cynthia. I know. And I'm supposed to have um, her. Uh, I do panel discussion with two artists or authors, and I'm doing it hopefully the end of this week. I can send you all the links there about almost an hour. The conversations are so good. 
And I use the same jot form and send me a bio and send me a quote and all that. Conversations are so good. I can't edit them down. They Most of them are about one hour. I tried to get them down to 40, 45 minutes. I can't. The content is so interesting with these people mm. that they mm. end up being 45 to 50 minutes anyway. So anyway, just sidebar. Wonderful. Thank you all for the bios. This is a very rich conversation. Let's go to the opening quotes. We're going to take two minutes on these ladies because we have so much to talk about. But I didn't want to stop you all because you're just fascinating people. Dr. Cynthia Colon sent me a quote from, oh, I Will Survive, 1978, Gloria Gaynor. It was the second single from her sixth album, Love Tracks, written by Freddie Perrin or Perrin and Dino Fakaris. Popular disco anthem and symbol of female empowerment, and it was certified platinum by the Recording Industry Association. Uh, the lyrics describe the narrator's discovery of personal strength following an initial devastating breakup. We've all heard of that. It received heavy airplay in 1979 with three non-consecutive weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. It topped the UK charts, the Irish charts, and the Library of Congress said it was culturally, historically, or artistically significant, and it's preserved in the recording registry. Here's the line. At first I was afraid. I was petrified. Hope I didn't murder that, Cynthia. You want to all join in and sing with me? Come on. One, two, three. At first, I was afraid. First I was afraid. I was, I was petrified. petrified. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done that on the show before. Cynthia, two minutes. How did you find this quote? Love the song. And what does it have to do with your creativity? Go. Um. I, you know, my mom, we would play Donna Summer and we would play all these songs, you know, my mom, uh, when we would clean house on Saturdays. But this song, it when you, the the first opening line, it just hits you. I mean, there's not too many people who don't know this song. But for me, the, if I'm being really true and honest, um, it, basically 2014, my dad passed. 2015, I got divorced. And 2016, I lost my job. And as an overachiever, I just thought this was like the, that was the worst than losing my father and getting divorced. But what it forced me to do is figure it out. And I had been saying I was going to write my own book probably since I was in high school. People who know me say, oh my God, you would always say one day I'm going to write a book. One day I'm going to write a book. And that combined with my passion, my true, my love, my, my favorite job was in when I was in admissions and working with students, helping them figure out their next step and, and achieve the next best thing. So I literally rented out my condo. I packed up my car, drove North all, you know, all the way through California to Seattle, stopped at baseball parks and national parks, landed in Oxford, Ohio, and stayed there while I wrote my book. So that song played probably at least three times a day for the entire year from July 16 to uh, June of 17. Thank you very much. By the way, I was a disco queen in Eugene, Oregon in the late 19... I had a dance partner named Michael, and we entered the Disco Hawaii contest. And I was a programmer, and I'm an early woman in tech. I was a programmer analyst, and he was a very artful janitor at the 
architecture studio at the University of Oregon. And he taught me how to use a broom. I mean, this kid knew what he was doing. There is a way and there's not a way. And he was a former Arthur Murray dance instructor. Wow. So we got, we, we were hooked up by his aunt. He was gay. I was straight. So when we went out dancing, we'd have four people in the booth, me and maybe my boyfriend and him and his boyfriend. And women would come up and say to me, can I have a dance with Michael? And I'd say, yes, Bob. Don't ask me. <laughs> That's who he's with. But we happened to be dancing together. Anyway, we did the Disco Hawaii, and we came in third, and we sewed our own costumes. I was about 98 pounds at the time. Don't ask. And a satin skirt that was a 360 circle that tied at the waist. And we did our opening song to Donna Summer's MacArthur Park Suite. And the oh. song was Heaven Knows. Heaven Knows Just How Much. And we came in from opposite sides of the floor and he lifted me up just like on Saturday night fever yeah Saturday night fever and he spun me around over his head and then dropped me to the floor and my skirt whoops went out in a big 360 circle we had hammered blue satin blouses his mother made him a shirt and I made I was sewing my own clothes and we came in third in the disco Hawaii contest and we taught for years at senior centers and all kinds of places we taught disco we had parties so you brought back so many memories so fun Ah, oh, those were the days. Thank you, Delia. I want to keep going here, but I'm having trouble. This is too much fun. Delia Charamante, you picked uh, Yoda, voiced by Frank Oz. I won't try to do that one. Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. And the quote doesn't really need much explanation. You must unlearn what you have learned. Delia, that's profound. How does that relate to your creativity? In a million different ways because we are taught that we're supposed to be a certain way, a certain kind of woman, a certain kind of person, a certain kind of doctor, that you have to speak a certain way or look a certain way, and the, you don't. And you have to, in order to become your full expression of yourself, you have to unlearn all of those unhelpful messages that you received about doctors do it this way. So right now I'm an entrepreneur. Doctors aren't entrepreneurs. We get that message like, no, you, you just, you should, you were a family doctor. You should be a family doctor. That's what you chose. You should, you know, work for a hospital, have a practice. That's what doctors do. You shouldn't let your hair go gray. That's not what people do, right? There's all like all these messages about how we're supposed to be or how we're supposed to do it, whatever it is. And I think it's really important that we push back on those messages and we check in with what do we want And you got to squash that message in order to become your full self. So for me, it's really powerful to to notice what do I think I've been told to do? What do I really want to do? And how do I get rid of that so that I can be the me that I want to be? Thank you very much. I remember when my daughter was in kindergarten, I got a letter home from her teacher saying she doesn't color inside the lines and we think she needs remedial reading. Well, Good for she, her. <laughs> she went out. She went on to be um, um, what was it? Uh, Phi Beta Kappa in her junior year at Brandeis. She matched on her number one match. Uh, I won't tell you where, but she's a doctor. She's a pediatrician. Awesome. A brilliant number one in her medical school class, and she illustrated wow. all of her biology notebooks and chemistry notebooks by hand. And I still have paintings all over my house that she started doing large style acrylics when she was 13 and I framed them and I carry them with me wherever I move. And this was the kid who was having a problem coloring outside the lines. We kill the creativity, Delia. We just don't unlearn it. We Teachers just hammer it in. Oh, I don't know if they're still doing that, but boy, did they do it back in the day. Anyway, 
Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Great quote from Yoda. I didn't try to do the voice. Do you want to try to do the voice? No No, way. Okay. (laughs) Now, was it something like, you must unlearn what you have learned? I don't know. I don't do Yoda very. Alicia Moore, before I get off track here, this is an interesting quote from announced by John Cleese, 1971 British sketch comedy film, 90 minutes of sketches and animation sequences from the first two series of Monty Python's Flying. Yes, circus television show. And it's a catchphrase of the show. And here it is. Everybody, you ready? And now for something completely different. Alicia, how did you find this one? Talk to me. Go ahead. Well, if anyone has seen Monty Python, they realize that they are, are completely random and silly. They they spe- they specialize in silly and, and off the wall and new. And, and so to me... Um, that saying now for something completely different is something that has helped me when I've been confronted or feel like I'm stuck or something like that, that'll pop in my head. I'll think about the silly walk or I'll think about, (laughs) you know, the sketch in the, in the, with the waiters in the restaurant or whatever. And it will, it will make me laugh. And when I can laugh about something, I can get a little perspective about it and it sparks creativity in its own way. We as humans are not meant to be static. We are meant to move forward. And there's so much joy in learning new things and challenging yourself a little bit and in in trying something out and stepping out of your comfort zone. There's there's so much to be gained from that, that, um, you know, sometimes it's just time for something completely different. (laughs) And taking the risk, isn't it? Creativity has its risks. Because when we step out of our comfort zone, we don't know who the audience is and what the reception will be. You have to be confident that you're being creative and do it for yourself and figure it out. But, you know, to to Delia's point, to Delia's point, I think that that fear of risk is is learned behavior. Little Mm -hmm. kids don't have it. Little kids, little kids will, you know, they'll be wacky and weird and, you know, they're just fully confident that they're, they, they will be received well and and or that they can accomplish what they want to. They learn how to walk, they fall down, and they take their cues from us about whether to cry about it or just, you know, get back up and get back up on the horse. They're determined that it's something they want to do. You know, at, at two, they go through this thing where they ha- they really want to do it themselves. They, they don't want anyone else to do it because they're so, they're going to do it. And they don't, you know, risk doesn't even sort of enter into the picture until we later. Do, we learn to be sensitive to what other people think of us. Yes, yeah. we do. This is a safe space, ladies. We're all good here. I want to pick now. Thank you for the quotes. I was very impressed with what you each picked and together it made for a really good conversation. Cynthia, I've picked two of your creativity statements. I'm going to combine them because I like them so much. We, yeah, we got about 18 minutes left, 20, 40, 59, we got about 18 minutes left. So let's divide and conquer here. And I still want to do a couple of holidays and celebrity birthdays. So Cynthia, I'm going to read your statement number one and four, and I'm going to give you two minutes, not really on the clock, but keep it tight, please. And then I'll pick two from Delia and a one or two from Delia. I haven't gotten there yet. So Cynthia said, number one, I believe in finding your flow, your rhythm, your jam. For me, I'm at my best when in the early morning before anybody else, including the sun, has risen. That was her statement one. But her mom said in statement four, you think long, you think wrong. And Cynthia said, when I paint or craft, I use her advice and try not to think too 
much. Cynthia, two minutes. Combine these, please. I hope that's okay with you. Yeah. Okay. So the morning is really when I can find my most creative and I get up, I sort of do my meditation. I might, I do my gratitude journals and I try to write, even if it's just for 10 minutes a day and just get all those juices flowing. So uh, when I was writing uh, in Ohio and all those, I would take one of those post-its, you know, color coded post-it and I would take one and, and I would, that's what I would concentrate on for the week. And that color called post-its as far as my mom, she has a lot of lessons that I learned from her. Um, but this one of my favorites, you know, sort of basically saying like, don't overthink it. Like don't overthink life, your gut, your intuition tells you everything you need to know. So follow that. And she just, um, she's been doing these mosaic, like these rocks, she's been painting and she's been watching YouTube and she wanted me to, to paint with her. And she knew it. I I would do it because she asked, but you know, I, I just sat and, did it. And I kept wanting to like fix it because it wasn't perfect. And she's like, just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. (laughs) And I was finished and she just thought it was beautiful. And what a moment that was for us. Cause she likes when I spend quality time with her, but she really loves when I enjoy something that she loves to do and she loves to paint and craft and things like that. So, um, it was, uh, it was a way to let loose. Lovely. A a way to create together too, right? Nice to Mm -hmm. enjoy the moment. Thank you. Delia, I'm doing two of your statements as well. Alicia, no expectations here. I haven't gotten to your section yet. So Delia, number one, this is interesting. You say, I love junk. I see beauty in rusty metal scraps, and I imagine them hanging out with colored glass or nubby fabrics. My drawings have silver washers for glasses and wood chips for hair, mixed media. And then in number four, you say, I like to think of life as a huge multimedia art piece. I'm going to stop there. I think of life as a quilt, Delia. Mm. Each one of us has our own quilt, every square. Today's show is giving me another square on my quilt, and it's not the same as any of yours. It's mine. So, Delia, two minutes. Talk to me about this very picturesque statement. Go ahead. Okay. So behind me at this moment are some of my pieces. So I do work in multimedia art, and I draw, and I take junk, rusty pieces. I buy them. And my husband is like, what, what, you know, what is coming in the mail today that is just looks like trash, but it looks ugly in the box. But the thing that's so meaningful to me is when I make hair from rusty pieces or bolts or fabric, it becomes beautiful in my, to me anyway, it becomes beautiful. So it starts ugly, but put together in a certain way, it becomes beautiful. And that is what I see with life. And my work in palliative care, it informs that because, you know, if you get a disease that you don't want, that can be heavy, but if it makes you appreciate your life better and you change the way you're living and you make yourself a happy person and your connections with your family get stronger and you write that book and you take up the things you wanted to do, what started as yucky junk in the box by itself became when you put it all together, this beautiful existence in life. And so that's how, for me, putting rough things together in a way that makes beauty is not just an art piece, but also is how I would like to live my life and how I think we all can live our lives. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I started painting about five years ago. I bought a little 
artist kid at Michael's one day when I moved to Durham, North Carolina. I stuck it in the closet for about a year. One day I said to myself, what's this thing? And I took it out and I looked, oh, it's an art kit. I forgot about it. Put it away. A couple weeks later, took it out, read the little book on how to draw and how to paint and do all that stuff, put it away. And then I finally started using it. And now it's a couple years later and it's... um, I have about 300 pieces that um, nice. the moving moving people, when I moved from Durham to Tennessee, had to deal with those. There were boxes and boxes and boxes with the canvases. But I started doing collage work, Delia. Nice. I wouldn't say work, collage joy, I'll call it. And I save wrappers from food containers, from candy <laughs> cookies, bread, um, insides of uh, the wrappers inside of can. I don't buy canned vegetables, but once in a while, something in the can. And I save them. Sometimes they're shiny. Sometimes they're not. I save tissue paper from wrapping. And, you know, you can drizzle color on it, watercolors and acrylic, and make them into your own collage yep. papers. And yep. I've done that. I use a lot of glitter glue as paint. I, I paint with finger paint. And I also recently started doing uh, voice-to-text artificial intelligence AI in night cafe studio. I told you all before the show and just describe a a woman on a microphone or a a two, a little kids in under an umbrella. And then I print them out on clear film, eight and a half by 11 on my printer. I take it and put it face down on a 12 by 12 white cardstock. And I rub it with a a flat metal spatula, transfer the color, the ink onto the white. And then I embellish it and I add color to it. I add uh, acrylic. I add watercolors. I add materials. I add little metal pieces for the hair. I fill in. I finger paint with the glue, with the glitter glue. And it's just a riot having a ball with AI-generated art that becomes mine. I I don't want to cut off Alicia, but I had to share that with you. So thank you, Alicia Moore. I've got two statements for you. It's two-statement night. I never do this. You say, channeling my inner child and indulging in my highest sense of play. And she puts play, capital P-L-A-Y, with a sense of humor and joy. Having found myself solving a number of unusual problems for my clients, I have a highly developed sense of the absurd (laughs) and then she says daring to dream and imagine dare to dream and imagine alternative circumstances my flights of fancy enhance my problem solving skills and help me leap alicia two minutes talk to me this is fascinating go ahead well um i live in joy (laughs) 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 it is just um If you can have the perspective, a little bit of a little touch of the absurd and a sense of humor, it can really take you through and out of and over a lot of life's travails, right? You don't, you don't, you acknowledge that there's bad stuff and sad stuff. You acknowledge that, but you don't have to focus on that. You can you you can focus on the joy. I mean, to to Delia's point, right? You can focus on the joy that the people that that may know that they have a terminal date, um, but but grab every little every little bit of it and just and play and just play, have fun, play. Um, I probably have bought pieces like what both of you are doing at art shows because I I go to art shows all the time and and am a little bit of an artaholic because and my taste is completely eclectic as you would kind of imagine because there's beauty in all sorts of things I mean there's beauty in all sorts of medium and the way that people can 
can express themselves in that way is just amazing. And the ability to connect with people, with, with strangers through art and the beauty of it is just, it's just insane, which wasn't my quote, but, but I just, but I just love it. I mean, (laughs) look, look behind me, look at the background. If you look, forget about the lips and forget about the type. That was one of my early paintings. Forget about her. That was a a caricature done by a, or an avatar done by an advertising agency years ago for me that I couldn't use at a corporate job. We don't do that kind of thing. So I kept her. Anyway, if you look at the painting, it was one of my early watercolors in the, in the pink theme, where to me, this was a city and those were the buildings and those were really earrings that had lost their matches Delia and Alicia I use those too <laughs> and Cynthia yeah. and and their pierced earrings in the back I punched them right through the canvas and put the little metal back on them and that was one of my early city drawings and I have a whole bunch of what I call my my pink series that are hanging on the wall outside my office here what do you do with 250 paintings? Well, you have a lot of boxes in the garage and you swatch, swap them out and you leave them on the living room floor and you look at them once in a while. People say, what are you doing with them? I'm enjoying them. I'm Summertime enjoying them. art shows. <laughs> there you go. And then you I, can talk with people. See? There you go. I turned my, uh, there was a sunroom here attached to the house that had been built on, added on the back. And it was perfect. It's got, it's a corner. It has a door, an outside door that goes to the deck, and it has windows on both sides. And I turned it into my art studio. And I took my mom's huge, beautiful mahogany or whatever it was, dining room table, and I put a piece of glass, thick glass over the top of it. And I used the little doggy pads, you know, to cover it so nothing gets on it. Yes, Delia, yes. And uh, I I saved all of the, the pieces that I used for my creative collage work in in boxes and it i just have and i use egg cartons for the uh paint pouring and mm-hmm. if you take a little balloon and you put water in it and you tie it off so it's only about this big and you dip it into a little part of an egg carton and one of the little slots if you will where an egg was and you put, let's say you take red acrylic paint pour and you put white or yellow on top and you don't mix the colors and you dip the balloon into it and then you put it on paper or canvas you create a flower a beautiful mm-hmm. flower that has different colors and you can do all kinds of things. And when I use acrylics, I don't use brushes. I use all kinds of implements. I use uh, a flat old kitchen scraper and I use the balloon and I just do pouring and tilting and cups, no brushes. Very, very interesting. We've got six minutes left. Ladies, wow, this is great. Let's do a couple of uh, famous birthdays here. I won't bore you with too many, but Marv Albert, anybody remember? He's 82 today. He's a former sportscaster. He was the voice of baseball and the voice of the New York Knicks from 1967 to 2004. And he did the play-by-play on eight Super Bowls, nine NBA following finals, and seven Stanley Cup finals. And he called the Wimbledon for TNT with Jim Courier and Mary Carrillo. If you're a tennis fan, you know what that is. Timothy Busfield, anybody remember him? He's 65 today. He won a primetime Emmy as a Best Supporting Actor in the series 30-something in 1991. Wasn't that a groundbreaking? I didn't know he's been married to Melissa Gilbert since 2013. Alicia, go ahead. What? He was also on Broadway. He might have, he was at least nominated for the, um, oh, A Few Good Men. When it was on Broadway, he was Ray Kinsella, Kevin Costner's brother-in-law, played Mark in A Field of Dreams, the movie, and he played Danny Kincannon on The West Wing. He's gotten a race, 65 years old. There's an actor, you probably don't know his name, but it's Paul Schulz or Schulze. He's 60. He played in The Sopranos. He was in The Punisher. He was on uh, 
24. I watched that for a couple of years, ran out of patience with them. Law and Order, Rizzoli and Isles, CSI, JAG, The West Wing, NCIS, Frasier, NYPD Blue. Anyway, he's 60 today. And James Franco's brother, Dave, who's 38, who played Cole on the ninth series of Scrubs, okay, and was in 21 Jump Street with Jonah Hill. He's 38 today. And country singer Chris Young is also 38, but they're not brothers. Now, here's the fun. Two social media stars for you. Are you all sitting down? Cynthia, are you sitting down? You better. Okay. We have a young man named Danny Gonzalez who's 29 today, and he only has 6 million views on YouTube. Only 6 million. We should all be so lucky. He was a Vine phenomenon in the beginning. Vine, remember the six-second video app called Vine? Mm. He only had 2 million followers there. Oh, what a failure. He's been editing videos since the seventh grade. He posted his first video to Vine in 2013 called Target Headphones, like, what up? And he went on to graduate from Georgia Tech. I thought that was pretty cool. Then we have a young lady named Tara's World, but take the O out of world. So it's T-A-R-A-S-W-R-L-D. She's on TikTok. She's 24 today. Poor girl. She only has 4.9 million fans. Oh, my God. Don't, don't you just feel bad for her, Delia? She tells story time and comedy videos. Her videos have 264 million likes. She only has 4.9 million fans, but 260, can you imagine, Alicia, 264 million, (laughs) I get 12 likes and I'm I'm over the moon. She collectively puts her videos on Tara's World YouTube. Uh, She vlogs about her dating life, her personal life, and decorating and cooking videos. I think that's just fascinating. Uh, Today is the day when, uh, let's see if I have anything, a play called Girls in Pink, Girl in Pink Tights closed at the Mark Hellinger theater in New York after 115 performances in 1954, before any of you were born, I'm sure. And what's important is Bill Haley and the Comets released a single, Rock Around the Clock, today in 1954. A couple of holidays, it's Eat Flexitarian Day. Does anybody know what Flexitarian is, ladies? Have you heard of yes. that? I, yes, I did. Are I, you used a- to, I, I read that somewhere and I adopted it because I mostly am vegetarian, but you know, I, I do like a burger or whatever sometimes. So flexitarian just means I'm flexible. Mostly plant-based foods, once in a while, meat and other animal products. It's International Falafel Day. Now, if you know anybody named Dane or somebody named Esther, it's their national day, not a birthday, just a, hi, Dane, hi, Esther, wish them a happy day. It's National Jerky Day. I'm assuming that's not a name. Hey, Dane, hey, Esther, hey, <laughs> Jerky. I, 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 I'm sorry, forgive me. It's Peanut Butter Cookie Day. As I said, it's Red Rose Day. It's Raggedy Ann and Andy Day, if you have any of those dolls. It's Pet Wedding Week. I read that and I almost threw up. Um, yeah, people are giving, never mind. And Little League Baseball Week. Uh, and a couple more things in June. It's Cucumber Month. It's Fireworks Safety Month. Important, it's Georgia Blueberry Month. It's International Surf Music Month. That probably means Beach Boys and Jan and Dean. It's Lemon Month for Food and Beverage. Mango Month. It's Accordion Awareness Month. Listen, if you ever see anybody with a, an accordion, just be aware. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. It's DJ month. It's Fresh Fruit and Vegetables month. That's for you, Cynthia. It's Oceans month, Ice Tea month. It's Soul Food month. It's Steakhouse month. I don't think those two go together. It's Zoo and Aquarium month. It's Perennial Gardening month and Rebuild Your Life month. Oh, I don't know about that. We have just about a minute left. I'm getting notes here from from Jordan. Quickly, website, where can people find you? Cynthia, beat beat, go ahead. 
Um, you can find me at destinationuniversity.com and the U university is spelled Y-O-U uh, university. And because the destination is not university, the destination is you. Thank you very much. Delia, where can people find you? They can find me at integrativepalliative.com, integrativepalliative.com. And that's both for physicians who want education and for families who want support. Thank you very much. And Alicia Moore, where can people find you? They can find me at www.aliciajmore.com. And my books are available on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Alicia, J-M-O-O-R-E. Thank you very much. Ladies, here's my, don't go away. We'll talk afterwards. So here's my closing. Get ready. Life is short. Break the rules. Isn't that what we're all doing already? Forgive quickly. Eh, Kiss slowly. Definitely. Love truly. Yes. Laugh uncontrollably. Ladies, join me in a three-second laugh. Out of control. One, two, three. (laughs) I always think I should start the show like that. I never do. And never, ever, Alicia, regret anything that made you smile. And here's the final. Work like you don't need the money because nobody else really cares. Dance like nobody's watching. When I was teaching disco on a tabletop in a high school cafeteria in high heels, I told them, build a wooden stage for me, but I'm not going to fall. But everybody watched. Sing like nobody's listening. I sang, I'm sorry. Love like you've never been hurt. We all have. Get over it. Money talks. Chocolate sings. And last but not least, I stole this line from another host years ago. Thank you for turning me on. Radio Red, ladies, wave goodbye, LinkedIn, wave goodbye, Facebook, wave goodbye, Voice America Radio can hear us waving on the Empowerment Channel. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.